Thank you for listening to this programme from the Forever Manchester Radio and Podcast Network. Forever Manchester is a charity that raises money to fund and support community activity across Greater Manchester. Check out forevermanchester.com to find out more. With me today is Rowetta, and probably Rowetta's most famous contribution to the world, although there are many and they're probably all equally important, is being a member of Happy Mondays. Uh, Rowetta, hello. Hello. Uh, before we get into all of the music stuff, can we talk about your childhood? Tell us about your childhood. You were you local, Manchester-born? Yeah, absolutely. Openshaw, born in Crumsall Hospital, but we lived in Openshaw. And then um, I think we moved to Miles Platin and went to a nursery there. And my dad left us when we were in Miles Platin, I think, and then we moved to Cheetah Mill. And so I was really brought up in Cheetah Mill as a kid and went to Temple School. And I loved it. And I just remember seeing, like now, when I look at the school photographs, every person in that picture, almost everybody isn't white. And I never noticed. Right. But almost everybody is just every kind of colour, but I never noticed. And I just remember just not seeing colour or race or religion. And I love that about the school I went to and being brought up in Cheetah Mill, that I just didn't see people as where they're from or where the original or where the dad's come from or the mum's come from just just people and I love that do you think that's a system a systematic thing labels yeah definitely and I just love the fact that I grew up not feeling um although I knew I was a black girl or mi- of mixed race or whatever it just wasn't an issue and I didn't feel thank goodness I didn't feel any horrible prejudice when I was at school because almost everybody as I said everybody was different nationalities but we didn't see that and I love that about uh, my upbringing and my mum was Jewish but that was never a thing you know it just didn't matter your best friend was your mate because they were your mate and they were nice people and um, that was probably always and when I went to press we moved to Presswich when I was about seven or eight and then I was the only black girl in the school and still didn't feel any kind of prejudice towards me which is lovely to be brought up without that kind of thing sometimes I feel guilty because some people go through awful prejudice and I've made sure that my kids don't go through that um but I feel awful because I know a lot of people do but I just didn't have any of that my kids have never had to suffer that thank goodness I read somewhere that you you singing got you started singing because you won a singing competition was it was that when you were still at school yeah, it would have been when I was still at school, but I never wanted to be a singer. I didn't think I was any good at singing. Um, I didn't really try to be a singer. I was into punk as a teenager, but my mum didn't have a great record collection. I didn't, just didn't, <laughs> there's just not, nothing. And you get people going, oh, I came out of the womb singing. I didn't. Um, and then when I went to join the choir, probably in Prestwich, when I was about eight, this singing teacher, or this um, music teacher, Mrs Chivers, said I stood out too much. My voice stood out too much, so I couldn't be in the choir. Uh-huh. And that was me. That was my singing career. Was that because you were la- loud or? louder than the rest prob- prob- loud, not, not louder people would think that you see, it was because I was singing probably an octave lower where everybody's got these high pitched voices and I was just in tune but if they were going ah, I'd be going ah. Ah, right. and where I would think that they ah, it's quite nice and you should bring that out and try and encourage people to be different and have your original voice when I was at school and this particular teacher, she wanted everybody to sound the same and that's everything I hate about singing. You should be original, you should be unique, you shouldn't, you know, find your own voice. To sound like everybody else, that's awful. So I just didn't do it anymore. So you were sort of a, a bit like Rowetta, the produ- you were producing your own voice unwitt- I just didn't sing. unwittingly. I, I just didn't sing anymore. I just thought, okay, well, well didn't care anyway. You know, I didn't care, I don't want to be in the choir anyway. It's rubbish anyway. That's what I know. And I joined the brass band instead and got cornet. And, um, <laughs> you know, and that wasn't for me either. So it's like, it was like I you know, you just do things, don't you? But I never, 
I didn't know how fantastic singing would be for me and I didn't know I had this really, it is a good, I've got a really good voice and I'm, I don't know where it's come from because none of my family have got voices that I know about. So I just feel completely blessed and the feeling it gives me, which I missed out on when I was a kid, is just amazing, incredible and everything it's done for me, I just I feel so blessed. That's why I gave up smoking about six years ago because I've got to look after my voice and you have to um, because it's, it's a blessing, it's, it's a treat and it's special. What was your first job? I don't think I've had a job. <laughs> Have you not? I've had a job. I've been a barmaid when I was in the Battered Wives home, but I've not really had a job, no. I've not, I'm a singer, that's all I've ever done. I was, I was singing when I was 15 yeah. um, in school, so that's all I've ever done. And then I had two children when I was 16, 17. So, um, yeah, just brought up my children, um, was a battered wife, and just not, not, it sounds awful, but I'm not, I don't think I've had a job, just a barmaid at Richfields, which wasn't really, but it was just to meet people because I was in the Battered Wives home. Um, so that's probably... Yeah, because as well, I remember my my mum's ex-boyfriend, he's passed away now, but I think I was 28, and he went, why don't you get a proper job? Because I was at the Hacienda every night, and my mum was babysitting, and I was either with the Mondays or I was at the Hacienda, and he said, she needs to get a proper job, because I was always going to my mum, mum, can you lend me this? Mum, can you lend me 40 quid? And um, yeah, get a proper job. But the problem when you're a singer, or the problem for me, I'm so into me singing, it means everything. Whatever job I would have had, I I wouldn't have turned up for work the next day if I've got a singing job. So it would never last because, you know, I'm very, very lucky, but I do get asked to sing a lot. So everything else, if I had a job, I wouldn't, I I would never, and because I am really good at like turn up here on time, I'm very good and very punctual and stuff. But there's no point in me going to try and find employment when singing is my heart and love and I give everything up for it. Yeah, so that's why I've never had a proper job. Okay, you've been talking about battered wives and you've obviously over the years become quite a spokesperson for domestic violence. Yeah. Do you think things are improving now? or? Yeah, definitely. Certainly with the police and um, these... It's, it's just a lot better. I worked with uh, Tony Lloyd, who was... What was his crime? I can't remember what his official title was. Crime something of the police something, but he was really, really good. I can't, something like police, crime commissioner. Police commissioner. Police commissioner or something, yeah. So, but I loved him, and he's a United fan as well. But um worked, <laughs> worked with him quite a lot on, on um, this campaign called End the Fame with the World Cup coming up now. We'll probably do it again, um, because when the World Cup was on, and when football, uh, violence goes up towards your partner's unfortunately when um, safe England lose it's probably because people drink a lot when they're watching the game but there's a lot more reported acts of violence towards your partners when it happens so we tried to stop that and let people know there's a number to ring there's a, um, an online website and stuff like that and it worked um, more more things were reported um, more people contacted the police than ever so it was a great campaign the only thing when I do these campaigns though it makes me relive everything I went through and it yeah. kills me and because you, you get the people contacting me going this is happening to me and this is happening like sending me messages on Facebook and stuff it just it takes it's really it's, uh, it just breaks me up and it breaks my heart but it makes me relive everything I went through yeah. and you don't always want to you know no. I, can have an, I can be dead happy and having a gig and then you come home and you just you're reliving it all and it's, it's a nightmare actually um, but you think you're over it and you'll never get over it Never. <clears throat> but because you're out there yeah. and you're obviously a public profile, yeah. in some instances, could you become the first port of call for somebody that needs Yeah, I am quite often. Yeah. As I've said, though, I just found it 
I do find it really, really difficult. Like when um, we were talking about the campaign, I'd go on the telly and talk about in the local news and stuff, or be on the radio. Then loads of people contacted me that day saying, I've got a sister, or it's happening to me yeah, now. And, it, and yeah. I'm not a counsellor. And it's like, it's just very, very difficult. And I say, well, these are the numbers you need to ring, but they don't want that. They want to speak to me. And it's like, this all happened to me years ago. I was in a women's aid refuge when I was 21 for five months. And um, so I do encourage people to use those refuges if there are places. But I don't want to really live the nightmare of going through being beaten up yeah. or being frightened every day and unfortunately when these ladies or men uh, send me messages saying it's happening to them I've even had men writing to me saying their wives beat them up and I've had men writing to me saying they beat up their missus and they can't stop it and as I said I'm not a counsellor but it's lovely they come and reach out to me but it's dead hard when you know because I'm it's I just find it's like I need to just switch off sometimes and you can't. So although I think it's um, lovely and I love, it's like doing work, really. Yeah. It gets a bit much because um, that is not who I am all the time. I, I, you know, if I, if I thought about um, people going through it as I did all the time, I can't, I can't live. I just cry all the time. So difficult. You had a row with Cheryl Cole. No, 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 I didn't. Did you yeah. know? No, no, no. Cheryl Cole uh, people asked could they use... Um, a sample of mine for the Brit Awards and have my voice coming out of an anonymous face. And at the time, it was her first first year of X Factor, I think, and it's like, because I've been on the X Factor, I thought it was absolutely wrong that my voice would come out of somebody else's mouth. Yeah. Just, um, it was going to be a black girl in a wig, apparently, in an afro. Why I can sing it? Apparently, though, she was going to mime, so... Do you know what? I don't mind, but for the Brit Awards, I would have mimed if they needed me to, as long as my voice comes out of my mouth. And, yes, it wasn't Cheryl Cole, it was her people, um, the record label. So I said they couldn't use it, Mm -hmm. because I'm not having my voice coming out of somebody else's mouth, and they used it anyway. And it came out of a black girl's voice who had sunglasses and an afro. That's absolutely disgusting, but as I say, it's not her. She might have given the okay on it, but, um, yeah, it just shows how powerful they are, because what could I do? I was watching the Brit Awards, and I went... Yeah, can't sure. believe they've done that. I said no. So why did they bother even asking? You know, it's just an insult. And it was it was when um it was the first performance after she split with Ashley Cole, I think. Um, so it was a big thing for her, and she mimed really badly. But it's just I was gutted when I saw my voice coming out of somebody else's mouth, and I said no. It just shows you know you've got no power whatsoever. Why did you do the X Factor? This this there seems to be some sort of. At the time, as far as I can remember, the people were basically saying, "Why is a professional singer going yeah, out? Why, why did you choose?" Well, why it was, did it was you the first it? year. It was first year, and what um, well, it was, I used to like American Idol, and I liked Simon on that, and um, I liked a lot of the singers on that, and I thought, "Oh God, it'd be amazing if you know that would." Uh, there was a girl Fantasia who won it, and I thought um, Simon would love me, he'd love my voice, he'd love my character. What a shame when I was younger that you know that sort of show wasn't there then for me because that would have really made me, and also probably um, given me a way out of my terrible marriage probably you know if you know something like that would have been amazing for me um, and let me go a different path so I'd watch it and then um, he just Simon came on the TV and he was he said there's no age limit I just remember seeing this advert for this new show The X Factor and he's saying there's no age limit there's always been an age limit it's always been 25 you can't go on these shows like Pop Idol or whatever it was it was ageism it's not allowed anymore no but so this new show and I was 38 and I wasn't doing anything my uncle Michael was blind and deaf and me and my mum just for a year because his wife died we were like looking after him because we did sign language and not a lot of people can do deaf blind so I just helped my mum out a little bit so I wasn't doing anything I wasn't with the Mondays anymore 
before. I was just helping out my mum with Uncle Michael and then he died, as I said, it was my birthday. And after all these years, I got a divorce on my birthday that year. So it just felt like a new beginning because my husband was in prison a lot. I, didn't, I never just never got around to getting a divorce. So I got a divorce on the 5th of January, it came through, um, my birthday, and I just thought a new beginning. And then I saw this advert and my grandma had always said, she just didn't think I'd made it. And she wanted me, she's going, you're just such an amazing singer. You should be, you sh she sees these other singers and she's going, you're better than them. Why are you not famous and why are you not? She wanted before she died, she wanted me, she wanted all her friends to see that, you know, my, my granddaughter's amazing and she should be a star. And, um, and so I, I just thought, God, if I did this and if I did well on it, she'd be so proud because she didn't get any, any of the success I'd had in the past. She didn't like the Happy Mondays. She didn't like the dance tunes I'd done or anything I'd ever done. She just didn't like it. I've sung on the Simply Red album, Stars. She just said it was only one song and you're only doing backing vocals. And she's just... I never really reached my potential in my grandma's eyes. So this show could, you know, I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it. I went and auditioned in Leeds. I didn't tell anyone. You go like three times or something before you see the judges. Um, and I ended up getting far too a little bit drunk, but it was nicotine patches. Um, sent me really funny. Um... <laughs> And, but in a way, it's good because it made my audition memorable. Um, it just made people go, you that mad bird off the telly. And it's sad, but I knew that when it came to boot camp, they won't be calling me a mad bird, they'll know I can sing. But I had to wait a bit while people just thought I was this nutcase lunatic. But I knew that coming up, when they see me singing somewhere over the rainbow, or anything really, I've got a really good voice and they're going to see it. And they're going to see Simon Cowell, who's seen so many singers. They're going to see him go, oh my God, she's got this voice. Because honestly, I used to, I could just sing one line of anything and you could see it go, oh my God. He's like, literally, my voice, he just loved it. I knew he would. And he's like, but he really, really loved it. And he's like, he'd get me to sing just anything all the time just because he just went, he'd go, oh, Roberta. Yeah. And to do, it, to do that to him, and I always thought he would, and he loved my character as well. But to do that to him who hears all these voices, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I know he hears singers all the time. So for me to do that to him, it's, does, I don't care what anybody says because a lot of people are going what are you doing that competition for they hate Simon Cowell it's not their business I know what confidence it gave me and, and you know it gave me a real boost so I thank him for that and I had a great time doing it because it was completely out of my comfort zone singing songs I wouldn't normally sing uh, being like a puppet for nine weeks <sighs> and but I like that I like I liked it because I thought it's not going to be forever it's like I couldn't do you know if I'd have won it I'd, I'd, it would have been terrible because I can't um can't live like that being somebody's puppet all the time but um I am very good under orders and stuff I found it was a good challenge and I was um yeah never never messed up really never did never got my words wrong found some of it a bit boring pretending you're enjoying this extra factor and this that and the other and doing stupid games because I'm an older woman um but I just just got on with it and did what I was supposed to do and it, I found it a great challenge but to be the top woman in that competition was amazing you know my grandma when she passed away she had pictures of me and me and Simon or me and whatever all over a, a, you know all over her walls she was proud and it was, it was a great feeling that because it, it meant everything to her you know and she'd come with her, her boyfriend who passed away just after it but she'd come and to see her in the audience it was just amazing for her because she's like that's my granddaughter and she's dead nice so that's why I really did it so you nailed it for your gran I did that's why I entered thinking because I, I just I didn't think much further beyond that I didn't think I just wasn't doing anything else to be honest you know and I just thought why not 
and you know my grandma would love it and yeah and I was said so it all just seemed seemed to make sense to me yeah. and I just didn't tell anyone and the minute people knew it was easier though then there was no Twitter there was no Facebook so I didn't get slacked up as much as some people do there were just forums so um, nowadays I don't know how people cope going on these programmes because um, yeah these people who say nasty things there were people who say nasty things on forums I don't get really much um, bad social media I'm very very lucky because I'm not too famous I've been a very 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 good with social media replying to people and speaking to people and treating people the same as me because they are the same as me uh, so I don't really get I get more love than anything I get very few probably will now but you know, get very few nasty horrible things I don't do too many telly programmes either so X Factor though you were in first series mm. you were the last standing woman I was I'm very so proud of that did, did, yeah I was going to say did that, did that make you proud was that flying a flag for the uh, female absolutely. gender absolutely if 50,000 people entered and I became the top woman that's amazing yeah and um, I never thought I was going to win. It, I thought one of the older contestants would win. I never got in the bottom two, so it was going to be me or Steve Brookstein. And it was like, I'm not, I'm not going to win this. It's just, it wouldn't work. And it is, um, they don't fix it, but there's a way they, I don't know what the word is. They, um, they have a way, they know if you go on first, that people are watching Strictly Come Dancing. There's little things of uh, man- manipulating the public vote and stuff. So I knew when I was going. I knew, Inf- influencing it. Influencing it, yeah. And um, I knew when I was going, I knew when I was going and I went to Simon. As long as I'm the last woman, I don't mind. But I said, the way they've done it, I'm going, why am I going on first? I went on, because it's supposed to be an order. Because I've never been in the bottom two, it's going to be hard to get me, kick me out because the other people in the final, or in the semi-finals or whatever, had been in the bottom two apart from me and Steve. So how are you going to get rid of Rowetta is, you know, because we need to get rid of her to make it. Because, no, because it was the first show. Yeah. You need um, one judge. This is how they did it. They want Sharon Osborne, Louis Walsh and Simon they want them all to have an act in the final. So it's, you've got to get rid of someone. And it's just um, to make it a better show. And I get it. And I was, I was dead cool. I've never gone, oh, no, it wasn't right. There were people's, people going, no, it's, it's, it wasn't fixed. It's like, it's time to go. I was, I was never in the bottom two. I never had to do that sing-off. I'm dead proud of that as well. That's yeah. Great. yeah, it was amazing, right? And a great result. Great result. And you know as well, if I'd have won it, I would have been known as a flop because it wouldn't. I think the single was going to be somewhere over the rainbow. Where would he have gone after that? It was somewhere over the rainbow. Probably. Yeah, probably. But, but it's, it's it's really sometimes for somebody like me, it's better not to win something like that because that would have been. It's taken me years to lose that tag, and I wanted to lose that tag. That was I did that in two thousand and four, and I don't like people going Rowetta of X Factor. But for a long time, I was Rowetta of X Factor. Now I'm back. I'm happy Mondays. I'm Rowetta in my own right. I do what I do, and it's great. Now then, you mentioned before about being involved in. The album Stars we simply read. Yeah. And that was for not, that album was for not global. I think at the time it was the best selling CD of all time at the time in 1990, I think it was, or 89, I think it was 1990. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was managed by um, Simply Red's management, um, Elliot Rashman, and their offices were next door to Happy Mondays. So um, that's why I ended up sitting in the Happy Mondays office. Every day, almost, when the kids were at school, <laughs> going, let me let me be in this band, let me be in this band, but it's because Elliot was my manager. Um, so, yeah, so I managed to be on the, this album, and I'm the only other singer on it, apart from Fritz, who played keyboards, so I'm quite proud of that. On the whole album, there's only me on that song, I think, because he, he did, with Fritz, all his own um, harmonies and stuff, so that's it's uh, good. It's a really nice tune as well, so, yeah, I'm proud of that. That nicely brings us to the end of part one of our chat with Rowetta, but we have much more 
in part two. If you enjoyed this episode of Forever Manchester Meets, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and like and subscribe us with a nice five-star review. Um, if you want to find out more about Forever Manchester and the work that we do in Greater Manchester, please check us out at forevermanchester.com or follow us on the usual social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are at Forever Manchester. Nice one.